and it's like if you're going to show like a bunch of kids getting killed that's <laughs> just do it right yeah you know? come on make, make it, it look good make it fun make it fun Hi, welcome to Cinema Very Gay, the podcast where we talk about the full spectrum of LGBTQIA movies. The good, the bad, the offensive, the getting rat-tailed to death. I'm your host Jake, here with my co-host Kevin, and today we are talking about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Welcome back to Cinema Very Gay. This is Kevin. This is Jake. And we're continuing with Ookie Spooky Season. Yeah, it's still, it's officially Spooktober now. Yes, yes. So we're continuing with our series, our trend. Of, it's just the time of the season. It's the time of the season. So we're doing spooky, scary movies and going back to the 80s again with a horror classic. Yeah, we're talking about... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, before we get into the summary that I've written for you, yes, I uh, just wanted to mention we are on social media. We have a Twitter at cinemaverygay.com and an Instagram, same thing. We have a letterbox. And yeah, give us a follow if you haven't. Um, we post stuff. Yeah, sometimes we think it's funny. And we like other people's things. We're very generous yes, with our likes. That's true. Yeah, so come so come check us yeah. out. Kevin tries to get every actor who we talk yes. about to talk to us on yep. Instagram. And we've gotten... Jim Ferraro's thank you so Is much. Is that the only one so far? Well, Michelle Krusek also oh, yeah. said thank you. That was you. nice of her. That was really nice. She didn't have to do that. Okay, so I have a summary for you here. Um, How loud can I be? You can be fairly loud. Okay. Oh, God, there's something inside me, and it's trying to come out. I can feel it. It's dress weird with long, hard fingers. Get away from me. I'm a monster. The thing inside me is me. (laughs) That's right. Spooktober continues with what is sometimes referred to as the gayest horror movie ever, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. The movie stars Mark Patton as the androgynously named Jesse and Robert England as Freddy Krueger. It was written by David Chaskin, who seems like kind of a dick. Confirmed. Over the course of the film, Jesse takes a ball to the face, plays with a pop gun, gets choked by a snake, and gradually transforms into Krueger himself, despite his best efforts to keep the monster inside him hidden from the world. Jesse even tries to have sex with a woman before his body betrays him. He then goes on a rampage, killing teenagers, and worse, destroying fine china. (laughs) Will Jesse ever get it in? Only in his dreams. Ooh, spooky. Tales from the dark side. Oh, where do we even want to start with this? I don't know. Do we want to start with the production, then go into talking more about the movie, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> it just sounds sad. It's we, it, so, it's just it's just not a good movie. So it's and then we just watched a documentary about Mark Patton, produced by Mark Patton, produced by him. Yeah. So like it's he's he's telling his story and just sort of made it even sadder. <laughs> yeah. The documentary is called Scream Queen, and yeah, I, I thought based on the first ten minutes, I thought it was going to be more about like him going to 
horror conventions and meeting his fans and how much fun this movie is for everyone now. And then it got into his history and how this movie affected his career. And Mm -hmm. it was how the writer affected his career. Yeah. And the director. So this, this was directed by, uh, I think it's Josh shoulder. Kevin's going to check that. But anyway, this guy, either he is lying or Jack shoulder, Jack shoulder, Either he's lying or he was super high when he made this movie because he spent the entire documentary being like, I didn't realize I was making anything gay. Oh, people told me afterwards that Mm -hmm. I was making a gay movie. And it's like, it's so like, it's very, it's very gay. It's very gay. There's like a bulleted list of things like, oh, that's gay. That's gay. That's gay. So the director has denied it up until now and that it's gay. And the writer went so far as to even say when he was called out saying you made a gay movie or like you wrote it to be gay, he said, no, it was subtext. And then he went back on that and said it wasn't even meant to be like homoerotic subtext. It was, he said it was meant to be homophobic yeah. subtext. So he like... And he implied over the years and in that interview where he called the movie intentionally homophobic that it was kind of Mark Patton who plays Jesse, the lead character, that it was his fault that the movie turned out so gay wild. So he was kind of throwing him under the bus and this did. So Mark, Mark Patton, he got his start playing a character in come back from the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, which was on, it was a play. And then it got adapted into a movie that Robert Altman directed. And in that movie, he plays a transgender woman when she is young and male presenting Mm -hmm. and it's a whole thing where it's like a twist and you don't realize that this woman who's in their midst is actually the male presenting person from the first half of the movie and so that was his big break and then it seems like he did a bunch of tv and small Mm -hmm. movies we saw footage of him (laughs) punching george clooney yeah there's an episode of a tv show called hotel yeah never heard of that and then his next big role as far as we can tell was this and so yeah. he got kind of typecast and there was that anecdote about his agent coming to his bedroom. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. She like goes through his clothes and takes out the gay stuff and is like, this is what no, you can you need wear. to do this or you're not going to get cast in. Yeah. Or movies. they freaked out because he was in the lead role finally, but he came across as gay in the movie. And so they were like, we're, you're going to have to be a character actor. Yeah. Like if we can't convince people that you can play straight, you're just going to, that's your career. So I thought it was going to be, the documentary was going to be a lot about like Mark talking about like being a gay man. He was closeted at the time, but being a closeted gay man. And he's, he said early on, he was like, get, was given the script and said like, Oh, I'm in a, this is a gay script. Like this is a gay movie that I'm in. Yeah. And then being essentially told, no, this isn't a gay movie. You're like, you're making it gay. And then just how, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't realize that there was such a dark, immediate turn on his career, like where he just like stopped being a part of show business. And there were other things at play. Yeah. But well, it was, it was sad too because so his partner at the time was also sick with HIV and eventually died of AIDS. Yeah. And so he was making this movie that was sort of exploiting his effeminacy, I guess, and. It was probably super, and he didn't want to be perceived as gay, but mm-hmm. also it seems like 
he wasn't getting any direction not to act that way. Right. So he, and I don't know, I don't know if he'd like, he probably didn't see the dailies, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he didn't have much control over the way it was coming out. Um, he said that he didn't realize that his scream was that effeminate. And that was another thing with the director where he was like, Mark Patton talks to the director at one point in the documentary. He was like, well, I didn't write for you to scream like a girl. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thanks for that. Cool. I think there's an argument to be made that the movie is homophobic. Mm-hmm. I th- think the production of this movie was homophobic. <laughs> like the like the, people behind. Yeah. Like whether behind the, movie. the audience perceives it as a homoerotic movie or a movie that is about um, a fear that gay people have of coming out. Mm-hmm. I think this movie was made with the intention to exploit gay panic that's what it seems like and it, the, the way the screenwriter talks he, he makes it sound like he knew that people were afraid of gay people mm-hmm. and that he wanted to use that to my guess what happened just watching that documentary reading some of the stuff that he said and things like that is that he thought it was going to be praised for being homophobic and seen as like a cultural touchstone for why gay people are bad and when it didn't get that response and people were like, this is just not a very good movie, he was like, oh, then he kind of tried to wash his hands of it. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't, he, he didn't want to own up to the fact that he wrote a movie trying to exploit gay panic. Which is really weird because there are, looking back on it, the first time I saw it, I didn't think I knew anything about the subtext and then like seeing it again a few times and knowing more about the history. It's like, well, there are things in here that are just straight up gay fantasies turned into horror films yeah and things where he said or there's even one like dream sequence in a gay bar says well i wasn't meant to be a gay bar it was meant to be a transsexual bar his words so there are all these he said weird looking women that they cast like dude you didn't that's not subtext that's just you being homophobic yeah i I don't know so it's weird but like It's, it's weird it's even weirder I find the production of this movie so strange because you look at the final product and so say you are trying to make a homophobic movie which I think at least the screenwriter was and Mm -hmm. I think the director is lying that he didn't know he was making anything that was vaguely gay willfully ignorant at best yeah and then he was kind of a dick about it to Mark Patton in that one part yeah Uh, but like you look at the final product and how can you say it's super homophobic when Mark Patton is like in his underwear and sweaty for so much of the movie? Right. Or like the guy who plays Grady is like in it's tiny beautiful. shorts and sweating and in like the frame is lighting him perfectly. It's just it's so weird. Yep. I I don't know. Because it, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like send, it's like the same thing where people think that sending gay guys to conversion therapy with a bunch of other gay guys is like going to yeah, cure them. It's like, we're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to make you watch this horror movie with a bunch of like ass and sweaty men and stuff okay. like that. Great. Yeah, sure. Playing, <laughs> playing baseball, getting their pants pulled down. Yeah. Wrestling in the dirt, wrestling in the dirt, doing a lot of push ups, mm-hmm. taking long showers. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. There's no, there's no explanation, but it's kind of, it's, I mean, there is an explanation. It's that they're dicks, but yeah, but it was, 
it's just such a weird thing to think about. It's like this thing that was conceived as homophobic and was shot as homoerotic, mm-hmm. but also textually kind of about the fear of coming out. And yeah. it also frames the lead character as hot. Like, it's so confusing. Very confusing. It's also weird to line it up against, like, other franchisee horror movies from that time, where I feel like that that aesthetic that is very, like, homoerotic of, like, the jock or, like, going to camp or even, like, Friday the 13th, which is, I guess, very much about, like, if you have sex, you're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys are in, like, cut-off shirts. Yeah, that was just kind of a And they'll do, like, there's, like, skinny-dipping scenes and locker room scenes. And then he's like, well, we're going to do the same things in this movie. But this one's going to be different. It's going to be homophobic. You'll see. Yeah. But different from those movies is that this movie is sort of gazy in a way those aren't. So I, there's no shots of the guys in Friday the 13th, like close-ups of their chest or anything, right? Like they may be in skimpy outfits, but it's not. I think right? maybe a, a couple, but then they like get killed. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was just thinking, watching this movie, I was just thinking about the beginning of Carrie, you know, how it's like uh-huh. Sissy Spacek, like, rubbing her boobs, and it's just that shot of her chest, and she's rubbing her boobs. Uh-huh. And I felt like this movie was sort of more similar to that than something like Friday the 13th. <laughs> I can see that. Because there's, like, him in his little tidy whities Yeah. And there's, like, He spends a lot of movie in, shirtless. Zoomed-in crotch shots. For no reason. Yeah. Or like when he shows up to the gay bar and he's just drenched and has his shirt shirt, open. His shirt's open. Makes prolonged eye contact with the bartender. Yeah. Well, and then adding to the confusion is the coach character who Mm -hmm. is canonically gay in the movie. He was? Yeah, he was at the gay bar. you think was going on i just thought that was a that was a a dream that was real yeah because so uh he goes to the gay bar in like a fugue state i think i said that fugue 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 state and picks up the coach and then the coach brings him to the school and he kills the coach there because that's where they find his body wow i need to watch the whole thing again yeah I was I was wondering why he was just all of a sudden and the movie back at the says school. several times leading up to that that the coach is gay. Oh, I didn't I didn't pick up on that. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, they they, they say that so Grady says the reason the coach is making them do laps and push-ups and watching them is because the coach is gay and wants to um well, I just thought that was like teens making a stupid joke. Like I thought that was just part of like the think, writer making a homophobic. I think the coach movie. is gay. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I'm bought in. I, I don't know if this speaks more to me not paying close enough attention or the movie's just not good, but I'll, t- I'll take it. Well, and I'll I, take this one. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that is correct. And it kind of, it's interesting, the kills in this movie are, so the two main kills are The Coach and Grady. Mm-hmm. And I think that you could interpret both of those as they occur because they've triggered some sort of internalized homophobia 
mm-hmm. in the, Jesse. Makes sense for Grady. That was definitely my read for him. Yeah. Not I, I see it for the coach too. Yeah. Cause when he kills Grady in that scene, he like runs into his bedroom mm-hmm. while Grady's sleeping. He's like, You need to just watch me sleep. Mm-hmm. Grady's like, whatever, dude. Yeah, it's like uh, you you could be with your girlfriend, but you just want to sleep with me. That was his line. Yeah, he does say that. Yeah, yeah, he does. Weird, weird production. And then they get very defensive for a movie that ultimately isn't good. It's not a good movie. No, I would. I don't dislike this movie. Honestly, I actually do like this movie. Oh wow! Uh, wow! I do like. I I think that I can't think of another movie like this that does. Because I, I, I like it as a movie about being scared to come out. I think it works on that level. Hmm. And I don't think it's a good... I, th- I think it's not a good Friday the 13th movie. Because... Night- Sorry. Nightmare, Nightmare on, on Elm Street. Street. <laughs> I think it's not a very good Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Because it doesn't really do the whole Freddy killing people in dreams thing. Which is weird. Yeah, he, for- o- he really only comes to... Jesse in dreams, Mark Patton's character. Yeah, but he doesn't want to kill him. No, he just wants he just wants his body. Yeah, unless he kills okay. that woman from the bus at the beginning, but we never get the, that's never confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking, I was watching the movie, and I was like, you could probably just change out Freddy Krueger for a different monster and call this movie like Pool Party Massacre or something. <laughs> and we, mm-hmm. we we've seen the first three. the The first and the third are all about freddie killing people in their sleep right yes and this movie's not about that no actively not and there's really only except for like the massacre at the end there's really only two kills and you would normally expect a bunch of kill scenes in a movie like this right so that's fair yeah well also this was so as part of the documentary the there was so much homophobia of people online against oh that was that was a lot. That was an onslaught of... But, yeah. I will say, I, I somewhat unironically, Freddy Haunts a Faggot. What's up? <laughs> I, know like, it, I know it was meant to be a me. A one-star review. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's not a bad alternate title for this. It's movie. a good high-concept pitch <laughs> yeah. for this for this sequel. But the 4K release is going to be Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy Haunts a When it gets a, a Criterion release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a unfortunate production that was very homophobic but it is you know i guess it is fun to like look back on it and see how like the queer community has sort of reclaimed it yeah it seems like the way mark Patton supports himself now is by going to conventions and meeting up with fans and i i get why it meant means a lot to people yeah he was at screenings and there were drag shows peaches christ loves it yeah i'm sure we saw peaches christ dressed up as Freddy at one point. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Peaches Christ has also done a production of this movie or something that like would be that. Fun. Yeah. But do you want to get into the actual movie now? <laughs> I do. Okay. <laughs> you want to tear into it? Yeah, can we? That'd okay. be fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this movie sucks. Sorry, you do your intro. <laughs> well no, I just wanted to say that I, I get why you thought the coach wasn't gay. And I think okay. it goes back yeah. to our discussion about this not being a very good 
Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. So, so hear me out. Yeah. So the movie opens with a a bus, mm-hmm. and it's kids and on it's a bus. A big bus. And, it, <laughs> <laughs> and if you can, <laughs> stupid. And Robert England, not in Freddy makeup, is driving the bus. Mm-hmm. Not to pretend like I caught it the first time. I saw it in the documentary. Yeah, I but, think that's where I picked that up too. But he is. And so it starts with like the bus and then it, they're going to school and then it's going really fast. And then you go, oh yeah, this is a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. We don't, like part of what made the first one scary is like not knowing if the character has slipped into a dream or if it's still reality. And it's like the blurring of that. And then can he kill you in the real world or just in a dream? And that was part of the appeal. The movie opens with one of those instances where it does turn out to be a dream and then jesse wakes up so then the whole time i'm like assuming that any scene where it's like just jesse or like just starts with him in frame like is he in a dream right now and so he like opens the door to a bar there's nothing that like happens before that really he's yeah, just you like see him walking in the rain he's just been walking like because he's trying to stay awake right at that point i honestly I, I don't know. Or is he, he is just at that point? He was just upset about his date that went wrong. Yeah, or does that happen after the bird exploding scene? It is after the bird exploding scene. Yeah. Which that's another weird thing too, because like Freddy has a lot of control over reality in this movie, yeah. which is not the case in the other movies yeah. either. He can like manifest things to come from dream world into real world. Like yeah. his claw. So it's confusing. It is it is there are no rules. The rules are not defined. And so in my defense, he just like opens the door into this club. And it's like a scene that is unlike anything that we've seen in the movie. Cause it's like cruising. And like the director said, it's like a trans bar. And like he said, there's like weird looking people, which is horrible. They're just people. They, also, they, they look they, like they're they from also the look 80s. completely normal. Yeah. They, <laughs> they're just in leather. So it's just a bar, and then he goes and sits down, like, oh, this is just a teenager at a bar. This is a dream. And then the coach is there, and he's like, oh, this is, like, a gay dream about, like, coach role play, which is kind of mm-hmm. hot. And so he's, like, kind of into it. But then it just, like, ends. And he's like, oh, that was just a dream. And then he's, like, at the high school. Doing laps. Doing laps in the gym. It's and just, con- like, how confusing. did he get there? They just jump between places. There's no dialogue in that scene in the bar. It's just like, or he says like, I'll have a beer. I mean, like the bartender just slides him a beer. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it was just very confusing. And then like the coach is just standing there watching him and then gets killed in a BDSM. Yeah. Jump rope. I mean, the drinking age might've been at the drinking age might've been 18 at the time. That might explain the bar thing. That's fair. I'm not sure though. It's undeniably confusing. It's it, it was too confusing for me. Plus, like, this is... So, the writer is a homophobic asshole. On top of, he's not a very good writer. Like, he broke a lot of screenplay writing rules, I feel like. Do you have, do you have a list? I do. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, it really bothered me that Jesse is the main character, right? You agree with that, right? Yes. And he's, like, sort of the last girl trope. Final girl. Final girl trope, Mm -hmm. right? But he's not, because he also has girlfriend, pseudo-girlfriend. Girlfriend, air quotes. Was it Lisa? And then, like, the... The lost uh, sister of Mill Street. (laughs) Yes, the the other Gummer daughter. Yeah. 
who for like the entire final action of the movie, it's not Jesse, it's Lisa. Yeah. And then he just like shows up. She saves the day. That's true. He went through the whole struggle for the first like two acts of the movie. And then he's just not there. And then he needs a, a straight, he needs a straight kiss. He needs a straight kiss. He tried to, uh, really go in on her boobs at the pool party. But then the Freddy tongue comes and out and he freaks out. Comes out. Yeah. Which I get that. Yeah. I would freak out too. Yeah. But it was, I don't know. It was like, oh, he's gay. He thinks he's supposed to like fiddle around with do boobs stuff. like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, do stuff to boobs like that. Anyway. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. Bad horror rules compared to the first one. And even in the third one where it's like, yeah, it's I like dream warriors. I like They're the fighting one. him in dreams and reality at the same time. Yeah. This one didn't, this one didn't do it. It was sort of like the Halloween three season of the witch. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird to think about that in, in those terms because I mean, you're right. The, the first and the third movie, they almost have, they have clearer rules with, while being more ambiguous because you aren't sure if it's a dream, but you know, right. if it turns out to be a dream, what the stakes are. Right. And this movie it's almost like the opposite where it yeah. it seems to have clearer rules, but it's more confusing. Yeah. It's like, cause the first time Jesse or no, it seems to, it seems to have fewer, fewer rules, rules while trying to be clearer about right. everything, but it doesn't work. But yeah, cause confusing. when Jesse goes into the dreams, he's not technically in danger. Cause Freddy never tries to kill him. Mm-mm. So every time he goes into the dream, we're like, well, what's nothing happens from these. Yeah. Like well, he's scared he's going to he's, he's scared he's going to kill someone. That's Which he does yeah. a couple times. And it's not scary. I thought, well, the opening sequence I thought was kind of scary, which is the most Nightmare on Elm Street the bus. sequence in the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Turning into like a chasm into hell. Yeah, and also just something about like being on the bus and then it starts going really fast and it gets out of control and mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that. Yeah. It's like the uh like that weird cart thing the kid in the wheelchair in the third one yeah there's some creative things like this is a creative franchise when it works and god bless mark Patton. he brought a lot to like the acting and his jake said earlier the the screams that the director said he didn't tell him to scream like a girl but he did and it sort of I love the commitment. It sort of works. Yeah. yeah, he really commits to it. You've got the body. I've got the brain. <laughs> like a lot of the acting room, this is sort of ridiculous. And not in the campy, fun horror way that I think the yeah. first one really nails. Although Robert Englund's always having the time of his life. He is having fun, just biting her ankle and like, getting, knocking over China. What a yeah, weird, he gets what a, mad, so he just knocks over some plates. Yeah, it was such a dancer and stares. And it's at like her. a wide shot. It was just they hold <laughs> on and like knocking the plates. It was very weird. It wasn't even like that destructive. It was like a plate oh and a gosh. teacup. It, that was that was one of the weirdest shots in the movie, honestly. So and I guess you know the the pool party massacre was sort of fun. There were some fun things there. Yeah, but, like, the the other issue, like, I'm not going to defend this movie and say it's the best thing ever. I just, I, I like the 
I like it for what it is without necessarily, I think I like it for the same reason, you know, horror teens like it. It's just, you like horror movies, you like mm-hmm. gay stuff. It doesn't necessarily, you're not thinking about it too deep, but you know, you like these th- two things together. Uh-huh. It's like a, so this is what you have. Yeah. It's just like a, what is it? Like a Neapolitan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's two different flavors that you both, you both like, they don't mix, you don't mix them together, <laughs> but they exist side by side. But the thing about the the pool party thing is like you don't know any of these people. They're just yeah, extras. They're just, they're just extra teens, like to get killed. In the other movies, you know the characters. Mm-hmm. Like you get a couple scenes with them. Usually, get they get their own scene where they get killed. Right. And in this movie, it's like the coach who you barely know. He's in like a scene and a half, and Grady, who's that's that's like the only kill that actually hits. Yeah. Because I liked Grady. I liked Grady. I liked his dynamic. I liked looking at him. Yeah, I liked his old married couple dynamic with uh, Jesse, where they just, like, s- like snipe at each other, but like each other. Yeah. Uh, Plus, he, like, while he's dying, he's, like, screaming for his dad, who's on the other side of the door, but can't get out. I'm like, oof, that's yeah, that's horrifying. But he's also shot in a way where it's, it's kind of like Jesse. He's shirtless and sweaty mm-hmm. <laughs> during the scene. Yep. So, like, how is that? And tiny little shorts. Yeah. How is that homophobic? <laughs> no, it's just... It's just homophobic. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's just nice to look at. That's interesting about the pool party being just a bunch of randos, because I think other horror movies have done that sort of, like, bloodbath thing more interesting, because I thought of the Hellraiser. I think it was the second one. I haven't seen those movies in a long time, mm-hmm. but I think that's the one where they're in like a New York club where uh, it opens up, the portal opens up like in the club and then there's like all of the chains and knives start killing everybody in the club. Is that the second or third? I've only seen the first two and that doesn't totally ring a bell, but it's been okay. a while since I've seen the second one. But, like that was gruesome, but it's fun because it's like creative creative and so like if you're going to show like a bunch of kids getting killed that's <laughs> just on. do it right yeah you know? come on make, make it, it look good make it fun make it fun no but it's like the the kid gets killed by freddy because he's just like running at the camera and then freddy comes from like yeah from the left it's like oh he was just like literally right in front of this kid and he just like walks up stabs him and then the kid just stands there like holding his stomach yeah, it's like, okay. he also like boils them in the pool, and but then you see the people get out of the pool. Yeah, they seem fine. They're fine. They seem fine. So I don't get that either. No, and then the dad comes out with a shotgun, misses. Yeah, terrible shot. Terrible shot. Uh, and then he just sort of leaves. He's like, yeah, I'm done. Just walks through the walks yeah, through the hedge. Like, doesn't kill anyone on the way out. Walks within like arm's reach of ten kids. Yeah, he's like, bye, the screenplay says we're in the third act now, so I gotta go to this mm-hmm. next spot. I gotta go. I know. And it just, yeah, I don't know. Like, none of, the, it's, it's, none of the people in this scene know who Freddy Krueger is. Like, I, I think I... I thought Lisa's dad was gonna recognize Freddy Krueger, because, like, he was of that generation that killed him. Mm-hmm. And then the movie... And, and then he wasn't. I was like, why... why again, why is this a... Why is yeah. this a Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Right. Why not be a somewhat derivative Nightmare on Elm Street knockoff? It doesn't seem like that's how it was written. It seems like, based on what I read, the screenwriter like pitched this as a 
Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Mm-hmm. Although maybe he just had like the script lying around, reverse engineered it to be that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it it just doesn't. That doesn't work. The now one thing I did like is some of the sort of industrial descent into hell imagery of like the factory, the abandoned factory and like going down to the boiler room and there's all these like catwalks and rafters and yeah, like it's like, like first, very aliens. I feel like the vibe. first movie was better about that too. Oh yeah. But I was like, that's the aesthetic that I yeah. like and wanted more of that. So when it was there, I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like there's that really long shot of Lisa, like going down into the, factory to yeah. try and find jesse and just keeps pulling back and you see how big this is like that's that was pretty cool yeah so what's what's all, what's the gay stuff in this movie Let, let's let's just list it off i think i kept getting like 80s jock fantasy of like the tidy whities that are sort of loose fitting mm-hmm. there's he gets pants to pe and he's wearing a jock strap so you see see patent butt. butt it's a good butt this is this uh-huh. is how he, this is how he and grady meet one another actually Grady pantses him, yeah, and, and then they wrestle they in the fight, dirt together, yeah. and he's like pulling up Grady's shirt, mm-hmm. uh, and then they have to do planks together, push-ups. I couldn't tell something like that. Yeah, they were just laying in the dirt. Yeah, in the, the director was like, "Do something." I have no idea what I'm doing because yeah. I'm so coked up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if he wants me to believe that he doesn't know he made a gay movie, I need to believe that he, he was that he was on really high. Yeah, that he was huffing the makeup glue. Or yes. Something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he just uh, he would put he would put like put on the Freddy latex mask and just like lay in the dirt. Yeah, <laughs> roll around, just step into the frame. <laughs> step again. No, you're you're too tall. Get down. Oh. Get down. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So there was all of that. It was also the like '80s aesthetic of like guys running around in short shorts all mm-hmm. the time. Like Grady's always in something skimpy or almost always in something skimpy and he is when he's killed there's also a lot of choking there's like Mm -hmm. a lot of like grabbing of the face and neck caressing almost like when jesse sees freddie in the hallway in their first encounter which is a dream which is actually a dream Mm -hmm. and freddie's like running his knife finger claws over his face and like neck and it's sort of erotic and mark Patton said he was going to have robert england put one of the that suggestion was like floating out there yeah from someone like claws down his throat yeah and someone told him no i think the makeup i think the makeup, makeup artist, artist told him not to do that because it would look like he was blowing him it's like yeah yeah um robert england seemed on board yeah he's a he's a pro he's <laughs> and there is like i mentioned in my intro he gets he gets hit in the head with a ball Mm-hmm. He takes it like a man. He does. Takes it like a champ. He gets choked by a snake. <laughs> what? And Grady puts it on him. Yeah, he does. What was the other? There's the locker room coach getting sort of. Oh, there like are a bunch a of scenes. Death. But there's also a bunch of scenes in the locker room. Yeah, there are butts. Him yeah. and Grady talking with their shirts off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the coach gets jump rope tied mm-hmm. to sort of spread eagle up against the wall, yeah. completely naked. You see his like whole behind mm-hmm. uh and gets rat tailed mm-hmm. by a bunch of ghost yeah, by a bunch of spooky towels <laughs> <laughs> but they actually do make him bleed and then he dies so yeah that's not good yeah there's that 
I mean, there is the whole thing of, like, you get from Lisa very strong, like, bag hat vibes. It reminded yeah. me a little bit of um, Edge of Seventeen, of oh, that dynamic. That, that poor girl. I know. It's like, oh, Lisa. Hmm? Yeah. But, you, oh. yeah, you're right. You do. I think it'd be pretty hard to make the argument that Jesse seems into Lisa at any point. Yeah. I think maybe you could argue that he's not into Lisa because he's so distracted by going crazy. Mm-hmm. But if you try mm-hmm. to make the argument that he actually does want to sleep with her or something like that, it's, yeah. it's not the movie. And even the very end, so it ends, that's another, so the beginning and the end of this movie are the most nightmare about Elm Street things true. in the entire movie. And it ends again with a dream and in the dream, he like gets on the bus and he kisses Lisa. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a fantasy about him being straight uh-huh. because you realize that it's a dream and he kills that other girl who was never developed as a character, <laughs> whatever her name was. He does. He does another chestburster move. Yeah. Instead of having a uh, blow up doll get pulled through a window. Does his little laugh. His, e- <laughs> his Evie Oddly laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. No, that was that was like Pennywise. Yeah, that was actually. I hate Chucky. We're not going to talk about that movie. No, that's that's, not, we're not, oh no, that is homophobic. Yeah, the sequel. Is it homophobic or just lame? Pandering. Yeah, it's just dumb. Dumb. It's just dumb. It was a dumb. Poorly movie. integrated. Stupid movie. Um, there was also Grady. Yeah, I said like, oh, you could have been with Lisa, but you want to come sleep with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And that's why Grady gets killed. Yeah. Oops. He confronts. Uh, he confronts Jesse with his own greatest fear. Mm-hmm. There's a great shot of um, Jesse opening his mouth and Grady looking in and seeing Freddy's eye looking around Ooh, at the back yeah, of his I throat. Like that one. This, yeah, this movie just wasn't... Like, when I think about the kills in the other Nightmare on Elm Street movies I've seen, too, they're just like... It's not, there's, not, there's not a lot of creativity on display mm-hmm. in this movie, unfortunately. Like, Freddy doesn't do anything that made him so, like scary in the first one or like, like just twisted and fun like coming it, out it, of the wall or like the arms extending as he's walking down freaky, the yeah. alley like the first time we see one of the first times we see him in that movie yeah freddie like, just kind of like walks just there like the, it that actually that shot of him just standing in a wide frame knocking down the china is pretty much that that is a that is a symbol of this entire movie and Absolutely. how uncreative it is with its filmmaking because like the eye thing's cool I did like the opening scene, but the the like him coming out of Jesse finally right before he he kills Grady and like bursting out of his skin. Yeah, like some of that, that's cool. Whoever did the prosthetics for that scene did an amazing job. But I'm thinking yeah. about like yeah, you said the dreams in the first movie or no, the, like marionette with veins and arteries. Yeah. Oh my god, I Since forgot my about skin that. Crawl. That's terrifying. Or like, and this one isn't even scary, but it's I, I love it so much. The uh, it's prime time, bitch. <laughs> From the third movie. Like, there's nothing that, like, demented and weird and fun in this one. And the, turning her into a cockroach and putting her inside of a roach home. Yeah. Great. That's, so, yeah. That's great. Like, the, he just... He just impales both of his main... He, mm-hmm. he impales people in this movie. That's, like, all he that, does. That's all he does. And makes water boil. But then the kids get out. Oh, so yeah. Fine. There's, like, a... I for, there's, like, a thing... Was that, is that in the other movies where he causes, like, heat... <laughs> Well, he doesn't have, think so. I, I, he never has like an effect on the real world that way uh-uh. in the in, in the other movies because uh-uh. like there is that where he does like 
Yeah, he makes like the fish tank boil and people get hot when he's around. Bird explodes. Bird ex- so I'm guessing that's supposed to be like the boiler room, like reminiscent of that. It doesn't, it doesn't. It's kind of, it doesn't come. It doesn't come back in the other movies because he's doing the other cool, crazy, like creative things. Yeah. So swing and a miss for me, but it is fun to go back and watch it. Be like, oh, it is really, it is really gay. Now seeing this documentary that we watched, Scream Queen, which we watched on Tubi, Tubi, not Movie, which Tubi, Tubi somehow. That this while we're watching it. It somehow has more commercial variety than Hulu. Like, what mm-hmm. is up with... Like, Hulu sucks. They have four commercials that I have to watch over and over and over again. And Tubi is just this, like, podunk, will take whatever is not expensive to license right now mm-hmm. streaming service. And we we saw, like, one Olive Garden commercial twice, and all yeah. the other commercials were different it's a good commercial i do one olive garden now yeah i think we're gonna go to the one in times we're gonna need to go get that never ending pasta that's not interesting for everyone but if you do want to watch I think people are gonna agree with me about the hula thing i'm gonna post i'm gonna post on social media about this and we're gonna get the most engagement we've ever gotten god all right yep yeah, tag hulu i'm gonna tag tubi yeah, yeah. they're more likely they're, to yeah <laughs> they're probably listening right now the nightmare on elm street movies are fun on the whole mm-hmm. this one Kind of a stinker, but, but it means a lot to a lot of gay yeah. people, and I think it kind of. Means, I think it was it was think, nice to see. I think it means something to me. I honestly, I I like it. I don't think it's very good, and I don't think it's a good Nightmare on Elm Street movie. No, but Not I like it. Sure, I I I think I don't need to watch this one again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I. No, I would watch this again. Yeah, but I, I but I would much rather rewatch like dream warriors yeah yeah in fact if you want to watch this one or dream warriors they're all on hbo max right now yeah and they're probably elsewhere i think they're one of those things that like flits around between different services yeah but anyway Colorado that's Rap- nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge aka freddy haunts a faggot aka he's the man of your dreams yeah according to someone in that documentary we're worried about her. Okay, welcome back. We are continuing our mini-series about queer-coded Disney villains. Mm-hmm. And today we are we're actually going back in time two years because we missed one. Um, really? 1953. Oh, damn. Yeah, we were, I thought we were doing nice and chronological here. No, but Shoot. we we had to talk about this character yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he is sort of a prototype for a bunch of other ones that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about later, which is the fop dandy <laughs> character. And of course, we're talking about Captain Hook. Yes, he's swishy, he's sissy. He's got that sweets double cigar holder. Oh, he's got the. He's really finicky with his mustache. He's got the hook with the jewel on it. That's the so gold fabulous. Hook. He loves purple. Mm-hmm. He loves a feather. He loves a feather moment. Yes, he's sort of he's sort of twinky, but in like a like toxic muscle bro kind of way. Like he definitely does a lot of party drugs because mm-hmm. he is twitchy. Oh yeah. About this crocodile. I mean, I would be too. That crocodile might be gay also. Oh, I, I, he's on my list of other queer characters oh, okay. from this movie. 
so this was this is Peter Pan, nineteen fifty-three. Yes, it is. We we. Oh yeah, let's. Oh yeah. god. Oh, so okay. the movie begins with. On, we watch on. I assume you watch this on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. So it begins with a content warning that it contains culturally insensitive material and stereotypes, and we are no. not. Go- we're just gonna. We're not gonna talk about this too much because honestly. It was painful. It, it's painful, and it's just everything about the way that the, I guess they're they're coded Native Americans, right? Like, yeah. Because they they don't live in the United States, but they're Native no, Americans. They're just the Indian tribe. Yeah. On on the map, and it is so bad, and it's so painful to watch. Yep. And it just it's like the whole second half of the movie. Yeah, and it's just it's not fun, and I I, I honestly. I really love Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and rewatching them confirm that. Mm-hmm. And I think I did like this movie when I was younger. I mm-hmm. do not like it. it it's really... It's, it's not good. It It's not even... So the stuff with the Native American characters is very painful to watch. But it, this movie is also just like... It's like manic and cacophonous and everyone's <laughs> yelling all the time. It's and It's very poorly paced. Like, yeah, in a way that Sleeping Beauty, I guess probably source material, like a fable like Sleeping Beauty, it, it made for a really nice Yeah, I think screenplay. a lot of stuff happens in Peter Pan, and I think they try to shove a lot of it in. Like in the source material, I think there's like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I can see that. Because it was like, there's all these different locations on this island. They have to spend 20 minutes. They spend like 20 minutes before they get to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Which, I know that doesn't sound like very long, but the movie's like a hour pretty, 20 pretty tight hour and 20 so we've lost like 25 percent of the movie mm-hmm. and then they get there like, hook, and then it just goes like wild yeah hook is introduced he in the scene where he's introduced he kills a man just, yeah this right movie, off that casual murder yeah this movie's also very violent tink tinkerbell straight up tries to kill wendy yep the mermaids try to kill wendy the women is always eating the women in this movie are all like i think oh my gosh i think this is from a feminist perspective this might be the worst one so far because all the women are jealous bitches in this movie. Yeah, even try to attack Wendy. Yeah, so Tink's jealous of Wendy. Mermaid's jealous of Wendy. Wendy's jealous of Tiger Lily. Mm-hmm. It's like Tiger Lily is silent and demure. Yeah, she almost says a word once, and then water mm-hmm. comes over her. Mm-hmm. And so, what's the point? Because Wendy's the mother. She does that whole lullaby. I think is I- that the moral of the story? A boy needs his mother. Because I've but, seen that movie. That came, that came a few years after this. Oh, Psycho? Yeah. I, I remember as a kid liking parts of it, but I think I just liked... What's the, the song they sing when they're in the nursery? And it's like... You Can Fly? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Because that was always on like the Disney sing-along VHSs that we had. Mm-hmm. But then I, I remember like never really loving this one the way that I loved watching other ones and now seeing seeing it now i'm like oh i can see why there's not a lot to like latch on to but okay anyway okay hook so when they get to neverland hook is introduced he kills a man <laughs> he likes to be pampered he's very fussy yeah and smee is his right hand man and smee is smee i i i looked up that voice actor because i was like this guy's gotta be something else you know what he was droopy dog yes i that? yes i did hear that yeah yeah uh, so he sounds like Droopy Dog. I can't do it. Get No, that's more Droopy Dog than... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. He's like his little... 
His little chubby. He's he's wearing a little crop top. I like his crop shorts. top. Shorts. Yeah, he's got a little hat on, so he's just like pampering him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. When Hook. It's very Dom sub. Yeah. Well, and I liked when. Uh, so Hook is. So Peter Pan also sucks in this movie. He's a little psycho. <laughs> and I think you said before we recorded what he's the. Oh yeah, Peter Pan is the demon twink. He's the demon twink. He mm-hmm. is, and he's terrifying. He is demon twink. So he cuts off Hook's hand and feeds it to a crocodile. Awful. Yeah, that's psycho. So Hook's afraid of the crocodile who mm-hmm. swallowed a clock and he hears the clock and he starts mm-hmm. crying and jumps into Smee's <laughs> arms. It's, it's, it's cute. It's cute. I like it. I liked Hook and Smee better than I liked Peter Pan in this movie. Yes. I also, I, I found Hook very relatable, not in the um, wanting to murder a child thing. Um, but if you're going to murder a I mean, child, it would be Demon Twink. It'd be Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, but like he, when he gets sick and he doesn't feel bad, he just becomes like totally incapacitated. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that's me when I just like have the slightest little tummy. It's me. It's has like, to take care of him. Yeah. Like he needs a foot bath and someone needs to put the thermometer in his mouth for him. Yeah. Bathe him and shave him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I get that. Hook is not, despite killing someone in the first scene we see him in, not particularly threatening. Right. Mm-mm. He's not like. He's just mean. He's just he's just he has mean. a gun, and it does so. Last two episodes we talked about women who are coded as evil because they are like symbols of aberrant femininity, mm-hmm. and this is a movie where it's like a man is coded as evil because he's sort of a symbol of aberrant masculinity. Right. Like him and Smee, Smee being like more obviously played up for laughs, yeah. but he's like Hook compared to the rest of his pirate crew which are like beefy burly guys yeah. and like when he shows them off to the lost boys at the end they're like he's like showing off their physiques and their tattoos and like how they can make their biceps ripple yeah he's like oh that's not that's not hook no no he's got the long hair and the twirly mustache and very skinny very skinny well he's a little twunky because his clothes get tattered sometimes mm-hmm there's boxers. It's a it's a lean muscle. It's lean. It's lean muscle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. It, it it does set the groundwork for. I can think of like three or four other villains off the top of my head mm-hmm. that are like the effeminate, evil man. Uh, and he, I I liked that scene where so he convinces, he captures Tinkerbell and convinces her to tell him where Peter Pan is yeah, hiding. He's very conniving. But it's kind of plays like the gay best friend uh-huh. in that scene right he's like he doesn't know what he has in you <laughs> <laughs> oh you could tell me i hadn't thought about that yeah <laughs> he's just would, he, he's a sympathetic ear for a, a frustrated woman to but then he also says, like imprisons her and like yeah says convinces her that like everything would be he, he pits women against each other and so These women would be better if Wendy was dead. The women in this movie are Jesus. already plenty pitted against one another on their yeah. own. Or pitted against um, the father. Hmm? Like the kid's dad. Oh. Like their mom seems so nice and she has to put up with this asshole. And Nana. Poor Nana. Ugh. Speaking of Nana. Uh, Nana is also a queer icon. Okay. <laughs> She's like a matronly old lesbian. Mm. She was giving me um, Miriam Margulies vibes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, the father definitely did some diddling in uni. 
Mm-hmm. Because he definitely went to an all-boys school. Yeah. And they, there was hazing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Peter Pan is the demon twink. Absolutely. John? Oh. Definitely. Yes. Definitely going to realize that he's gay in a few years. I can't really tell you why. Just, he will. He seems very academic and stuffy. Yeah, he's going to, like... He's going to be a closet case who sublimates his homosexuality into being a clo- like a colonialist. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he'll like he's going to do a colonialism. Yeah. He's like big time. he's going to do a colonialism. He, he's going to go do it, but he's going to do it poorly, and he's going to get killed. Um, yeah. Nana's the matronly lesbian. Tinkerbell definitely a lipstick lesbian. Oh, she sucks. Yeah, she's awful. I don't know why people idolize her. Is it just because she's like sexy? And sassy. Well, there's also if you She's mean when the movie ends, you get a suggestion for about 500 Tinkerbell direct-to-video movies, <laughs> which and there have been. There have been, yeah. and I have not seen any of these, but I'm guessing they are. I, my guess would be her personality is different in these, and so people are maybe mm. remembering other versions of Tinkerbell that are not She's in this sweet. movie. But also, like, she's a big Hot Topic icon, right? Like, Hot Topic is just full of, like, Tinkerbell stuff. Yeah. And so maybe it's just, like, it, it's appealing to goth kids because she's kind of, like, sassy. She's not sassy in a fun way. She's just kind of a dick. Nah, yeah. Tinkerbell's a dick for all the <laughs> kids that are listening. Um, Smee is definitely the chubby party bottom. Um, yeah. He's so That's cute. why he's my favorite. He's so much fun. <laughs> and then there's one lost boy who's dressed as a bear. Mm. He's he's a young cub. I can't speak for the rest of the Lost Boys, but Peter Pan's corrupting the kids. He's well, corrupting the youth. Yep. I mean, pixie dust all the time. Anyway, yeah, those were all the. Oh, and the crocodile. Oh yeah, he's like icon. He's like splashing around he's, with like limp wrists, little tippy taps. Yeah. and he's like, just chasing a man. I think he's, I, it's a little predatory, but he is definitely. I like like every character in this movie better than Peter Pan. <laughs> I, I mean, Wendy is just, Wendy is nothing. Except when she's being jealous of Tiger Lily. Or like being picked on by mermaids. She's either almost being murdered or <laughs> jealous. <laughs> yeah, this movie is a feminist nightmare. Dang. And it's a, yeah, there's just not. It's just a nightmare on on Neverland Street. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a combination of there being a lot of bad with there not being a lot of good. Yeah. Right. Normally I would sort of try to pick out some good things in the movie and there's a few. I mean Hook and Smear fun. Hook and Smear fun, but that's that's really about it. Yeah. There's the the scene where Tiger Lily's captured and they're in the cave and Peter Pan's like mocking mm-hmm. the voices. That's kind of fun. The movie seems to forget that Wendy can fly a couple times. Mm-hmm. You notice that? Mm-hmm. It also, like, the bomb is about to go off, and Tinkerbell, like, flies across the island in about, like, five seconds. She also, like, gets blown up. Yeah, they don't really explain how she survives that, but I'm fine with that. I was just mad. Could just, like, killed her. Yeah, come on. Do it. Yeah, do It'll it. feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Disney. I, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't have as much fun going back to watch this one, but it is fun to, like... I don't know. Revisit Captain Hook, who's become so iconic, but yeah, and he's he and Smear are the best part of this movie, truly, like, easily, by far. I think I saw that Disney's doing a live action remake of this. I don't want that.
Remember that Peter Pan movie where Rooney Mara with played Rooney Mara? Really? Yeah, I never saw it, but Rooney Mara. Remember when you were in that recently? Oops, oops, you did that. Not important. Yeah, we're done. I'm done. I'm done with this movie. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>